You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. This is Stuck. Everyone gets stuck sometimes. When you have a problem at work and you just don't know what to do, the Stuck Podcast is here to help. Our hosts, Rochelle Pereira from Equilibrium and Damien Vazadana from Situation, field questions ranging from college students navigating their first internship to seasoned professionals looking to take their companies to the next level. Rochelle comes from a background in leadership consulting and tends to give advice more by the book, while Damien, who's spent the last 20 years building a marketing company, often leads more from the gut. Once they hear the question from one of our producers, Rochelle and Damien only have five minutes to think about an answer before giving their advice. Their responses are intentionally unedited and off the cuff. The episode you're about to hear was created in partnership with undergrad students and their instructors at the University at Albany and recorded live via Zoom. You'll hear three questions per episode, and we had an absolute blast taking it from the studio to this group of smart and inquisitive minds. Now let's get unstuck. All right, listeners, you're going to hear something different from us today. We did a live recording of Stuck at University of Albany. Damien, tell us tell us why we did this. Well, I went to Albany, and when I was at Albany as a student, I had so many questions. When I was about to graduate, I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm about to do in the world. And just like you and I address all these questions in the workplace currently of people who are already in their jobs, it was clear there's so many different commonalities to the types of questions that we could bring to students. And I just thought it would be exciting to try this new format, bring it to students, and let's get some of their energy. And I think it proved out. Uh, exactly what we thought. The questions were very similar. The energy was exciting. And I think a lot of people are going to take a lot from this podcast. Yeah. Personally, for me, it was so nice to be with the students because I actually began my career as a university careers counselor um, back in the day. So it was really nice to be full circle. And I loved the experience of being with them. Yeah. The energy is just awesome. All right. So should we kick it off with hearing our first student question read by Professor Real? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's start with a question from Emily Kozier. How do you view what is defined as professionalism shifting as the world and workplace become increasingly digital? Oftentimes, students are told to watch what they share or post on social media. The privacy that people and employees had in the past is rapidly decreasing. Where does the line stand between personal and professional? Is it fair to have every aspect of your life under a microscope, especially in a potential job search? Um, do you have any? 
I'm not really good at follow-up questions because I feel like this is fairly straightforward. I'm going to frame it as just to make sure I understand. We're talking about social. We're talking about like LinkedIn, Facebook. We're not make sure we're talking the same exact definition um, on the primary social channels is really, I guess, what we're driving at. Yeah, I suppose more so on social media, but I think that um, there more and more of our lives are accessible to people as we share more and more data. So I think it's sort of um, all-encompassing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good question. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I don't have any questions. No, no. I, let us go digest and we'll be back. Is that cool? cool. Yeah. Right, yeah. We'll okay, good. Bye, guys. See ya. Well, Damien, given that you own a digital marketing company, I think it's only right that you go first on this one. I love being put on the spot. Um, let's just say, let's, let, there's a, a few ways to answer I actually have a whole bunch of opinions on this and I'm going to sound like a crotchety old man. So uh, personally, I think, is it fair? No, I don't think it's fair. And thank God I did not grow up in the dawn of social media, but is it a reality? No question. And there are all types of laws that prohibit employers. I forget exact, and that's a changing space, right? Of, of how you can either discriminate against people based on a social media presence and all those laws and rules are evolving. But let's just use a basic gut check and assume that at any point in time, a potential employer who's about to invest a lot of time and energy into you might just put your name into Google. How many of you have actually Googled yourself and have done that in the last month? And so if you haven't done it in the last month, it's always a good idea to Google yourself as though someone was looking for you and what is the stuff that they actually see about you. So do I think it's fair? No, but I think, is that what it's going to be? Yes. And it's hard for me really to speak on this topic simply because I'm, I run a digital agency, I'm active on, on social media profiles, and I operate in a way in which I believe that my private life is part of my public, my public life running the business. I can't separate the two. I believe my employees will look at it, whatever I'm doing in my private life. I don't have that kind of privacy. And I've just come to accept that. And that's the way I treat my social channels. But honestly, that's the same advice I'd give to my own children. They're very young. If they go near social media right now, I'd be very unhappy with them. They're eight and 11 years old, but that universe, I'll pause or I can keep going forever, but I would, it's not fair but it is inevitable and it's going to become a little bit more splintered and spidered over time as that information sits on the web and employer, it's going to be employer assume employers are looking at it and you'll never know that they even looked at it. You just won't hear from them. But what do you think, Michelle? Yeah. Emily, as soon as you started asking the question, um, like my brain started going on hyperdrive because the thing is, is, and I think your question might've also alluded to this, but this is happening on both sides. This is happening on the side of they're looking at you and you're also looking at them. And at any moment in time, employees can call out and post on social channels when things in the workplace are not working in the way that they should. And so I think that actually there is a contract that's happening in that we what, what I think as a society that we're looking for is something that somebody called um, somebody by the name of Tony Simons talks about, which is behavioral integrity. Meaning if you think about your core values, how do you want to be seen by other people? Like if you could write those down, like five core values, and then thinking about, do my social channels demonstrate those core values? Are, are, is, it in, is it in integrity 
with the way that I want to be seen. And companies have to do this too. What are what are the core values of the company? And when the company is out of integrity with those values, that's when people get their phones out. And so like this is happening both sides. And I think that the more you can think about ensuring that your social media presence is congruent with how you want to be seen is that that would that's the thing I would really encourage you to look at through that lens. Like, does this accurately represent me? Yeah. Sorry, sure, sure. I would say I build on that to say the opportunity to it is the other way. I guess I'm building sort of just on your point is like, what is it that you'd want people to know about you and see about you that you think is reflective of the values that an employer might want? So for example, if it's volunteerism work, it, you're just going to be a reflection. And that stuff sits out there, whether it's on the social platform, but the social platform, they're just essentially spidered and aggregated into search. They essentially populate all the search listings. So it's things of making sure your LinkedIn profiles up to snuff, all those like things of, of people looking for your sort of social footprint. I guess I would just say it's a thing that you'll never, ever see coming. You'll never know that your social media, for example, was a reason why it impacted you because no one's going to say it out loud. It's just going to happen. And this, this will follow you onto the job. And trust me, I've seen it. I've had, I've heard people say, oh, I saw what that person did. And they make judgment. And it's a very challenging dynamic. And, and I, that's why this is a tough one for me to answer, simply because if social is like a reality of life. It's a form of our communication. But I will say the judgment does not, there's a, not a clean line between this is work and this is personal. And by the way, I'm sure we might get into a question like this later. It wouldn't surprise me. The workplace is moving that way. We're all working from home now in these different dynamics in the short term, that those lines are being very blurred. And so your being, everything about you is being kind of lumped in together. So I would personally, I would see the opportunity to it uh, if, if, terms of, if you are active is making sure you're putting out your best self and particularly on platforms like LinkedIn and that get involved, the right thought pieces. Like if there's something that you're passionate about, like that's a good platform to be seen. A lot of people are discovered on social media. Like that's, that's, and for some employers that they actually attract people that way by liking their page. There's interesting ways through it. So it's my two cents. And there's pros and cons just as much as they can look at you, you can look at them. So going on places like Glassdoor and seeing the sort of reviews that current employees or past employees have of those workplaces also gives you insight into the inner workings of those companies. And so, you know, it goes both ways and I would encourage you to, to, yeah, to investigate them just as much as they're, they're no doubt investigating you. I saw actually in the chat, the follow-up question of like, how accurate is Glassdoor? Great question. How accurate is your Instagram account? You know, and so it's, it's data. You get to decide whether or not it's accurate or not. Certainly, I know people that have certainly weighed in on that and said that it's, you know, how accurate is it? I don't think anybody ever knows. I guess is my point. Well, it's one truth of many. Let's call it that. So I think the way is to connect the dots because I will tell you as an employer, it sometimes really frustrates me, Glassdoor. And I'll say, that's not true because I run the business. Um, and so, and some things really, I don't think are true, but some things are true, like things to improve on. So it's hard, but that's one point. That's why I feel like if you're going to ever look at a company, look at it from all perspectives, look at how it handles itself on social media. What does it stand for? All those different touch points. And the truth sits somewhere in between. I would definitely not base a company solely on its Glassdoor profile. I know businesses that have told their entire staff to go on and say positive things about them. That was their vehicle to try and help it. I've actually seen, I've heard, I'm like, that's terrible. And it's obvious. Low behavioral integrity. Yeah, that's just terrible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> question number two is from Destiny Thomas. My question is, what should we expect when entering the workplace during the pandemic? 
Should we expect working from home to be the new normal? How do we make positive professional connections with coworkers when we only see them in a Zoom or conference calls or on email? This is a great mm-hmm. golden question. No, a great question. Already thinking. All right, good. All right. Oh, you're cheating. All right. Um, Hey, Rochelle, since you made me go first last time, you know, it'd be great if you went first. Sure, sure. Um, Well, I think that the question around what do you expect when you come back to the workplace post-COVID or assuming it's post-COVID. Um, I actually just was reading an article today and it was a study done of 2000 people surveyed and only 2% said that they wanted to go back full-time, 2% out of 2000. So I think that the premise is, is that remote working is here to stay. And I think you should expect that there will be some sort of hybrid workplace or a lean into remote working, I think is, is very much what employees want. I don't know if employers are tracking in the same way. I mean, some employers certainly are. Um, But then when I think about the second part of the question, which is given that, how do you create positive connections when when it's only virtual? Uh, It makes me think about a current project that we're working on right now. We're doing a one-year professional development program for 17-year-olds who are apprentices at Amazon. And they started in COVID. And they're having to develop these relationships with their teams. Um, You know, again, not too, I mean, they're younger than you because they're still in high school, but they're sort of tracking in in that this is their very first kind of professional experience. And some of the advice is pretty basic, uh, which is have your camera on, be attentive, ask questions, be curious, share your opinion. Like, don't wait until somebody solicits it you know, take a risk. This is where I think some of the, some of the advice that Damien gives around like the butterflies in the stomach, like it's sometimes scary to put yourself out there, but those risks are the ways that people are going to know that you're there and they're, then they'll be interested, you know, but I think some of that is kind of like basic communication that we kind of more know instinctually when we're in person, but I think you have to force yourself to do it when you're on zoom, you know, or teams or whatever. What do you think, Damien? Yeah, no, I agree. The, the line is, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I think that that's kind of happened during the COVID process, the, the, this COVID moment of time, is that like great communicators, one thing I've recognized is like, I've met some people who are amazing communicators and they can parlay it from like their normal, like when we're in person to they do it on Zoom really well. Like technology doesn't need to be cold. It could be extremely warm if it's done right. So part of it is just like your ability to, to be thoughtful and just like you were saying before, engage in communication. I would say the, the one very specific thing to virtual communication is, you know, I do a lot of public speaking like this, a, a lot of it. And the one thing I miss the most is eye contact. I can't make eyeball contact. You're just a bunch of squares on a screen. And when I normally talk to you guys in the lecture hall, I proactively make eye contact with every single person by design just to kind of keep myself and the audience as engaged as as, as impossible. So I guess what I'm driving at is as the speaker, anyone you're talking to, you, I think you need to go above and beyond to show that you are engaged if you really want to make meaningful connections. 
And it is everything from making sure not just that your camera's on, is that everything else is shut off around it, is that you're leaning in and you're asking questions and you're being engaged and involved. That goes a massively a long way. And the opposite when you're not able to communicate, like if you do it the opposite. I see it all the time. You know when you're talking to someone, whether they're checking, your camera could be on, but you're checking an email and you're somewhere else. You know, just like everyone else knows, you could see it, right? You could see is, is you know, so... That to me, that understanding, all it is, it's nothing more than respect. That's it. It's the same thing if you were in person. If I was to have a conversation, I was checking my Instagram feed. You go, who is this jerk? It's no different. And I think the difference is life outside the frame, we don't see. I see you all as a frame. For all I know, you've got, there's kids running around. No one, we have to fill in the blanks. So I think it's very important that you go above and beyond in your communication to make sure you're giving full respect to whoever you're trying to engage with. I think that gets often very lost. Yeah. It's um, funny that you've just said that. I was on a call with, with um, somebody just before this, before the this podcast, and every time I spoke, he was quiet and he was looking away. And I know he was muted. I know he was typing an email while I was talking and then he wait and then he hears my cue and then he comes off mute and then he says something, but it's not totally connected to the last thing that I just said. So he knows the social cues, but I a hundred percent, I would bet get, but like, I would bet really good money that he was multitasking and yeah. it just, it makes me feel like, I don't like flat, you know, like it was a waste of my time. Imagine you, know? you were doing it in person. It's no different. It would be the same kind of, you'd be outrageous and digital is no different. And I think in fact, again, people fill in the blanks. Um, the, the, the thing I would, I would add to, I think what we know is that the, the world, everyone is far more comfortable engaging virtually than they were before. Like that, we just know universally, our parents, our kid, everyone across the board, there's more comfort level there. So, and everyone's now be proved that we can do it. And now, so employers, clearly I'm an employer right now looking at it. I'm sitting in my office right now. I have 15,000 square feet on 7th Avenue. Me by myself. Do you know how much money I'm wasting right now with this real estate? And so I look at this and just go, this is an outrageous expense. But wait a minute, everyone can work virtually. So trust me, from an employer's point of view, I'm going, I could save money. Everyone can work virtually. It sounds great, doesn't it? The trap, and I think really one way to think about it, if you're an employee, and I told my sister this, my sister works at a business, at a company, and she said, we, we're told we probably don't have to go back to work until next year. Isn't that great? And here's my view on it. My view is the moment people don't need to see you is the moment you should be a little bit concerned. And the moment that all of a sudden all of us are looking for jobs in the New York area, those same jobs are now because we can work from home. You went from a local talent pool you're competing against to the globe because I can hire anybody. I don't need to pay New York, New Jersey rates. I can hire someone in the middle of the country and pay half the salary for you. Why the hell would I pay an expensive New Jersey salary, for example? It's not is be very mindful. And I think the market hasn't worked itself out yet. So even though technology-wise, we can do it, there is so much unsettled people's mental health. All those things we haven't even figured out yet. So I'm a little bit reluctant to say the new workplaces, you're going to be working from home and you're going to be doing this. We don't know yet. And we know certain things like business travel that are pretty obvious that like, did I really need to get on a plane and go to that non-unnecessary meeting? Hopefully become more efficient through it. But I would be extremely careful as an, from an employee's perspective. If I'm you, that's a little worrisome. They're like, don't worry, we don't need you here. Then, then like, all right. Um, that means anyone could do your job in some respects. So I'm a little bit, care- I'm, I'm reluctant. I'm like, I don't know. 
as an employee, that's how I'd be thinking. But if you live somewhere like Albany, that that could be a huge plus. In fact, I know a head of marketing who lives in Rochester who got a huge job just recently, and he moved from New York in COVID. But he would not have been able to do that job remotely had he, you know, before COVID. And so I think it does open up a lot of opportunity if you don't live in major metropolitan hubs to start applying for jobs and try it out, you know, try it out with employers and see. Um, The last hack that I've got to share with you that a client told me about recently, and it's really game changing, especially for the, like the engagement piece is hide on Zoom, hide your own self view. So for instance, Damien, on my screen right now, I only see you. I don't even see me. And so seeing me all the time is, is weird. And, and like, it, you start to feel like narcissistic a little bit. Cause you're always like, what does my lighting look like? And da, 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 da. I just look at you and it feels like we're just having a conversation in your office because I can only see you. So I would encourage people to do that. It's a good hack. Question number three is from Lenny De La Rosa. His question is, I'd say my question for the stuck podcast on the theme of entering and surviving the workplace would be how to approach your new time. As the most junior member of the team, should I just try to jump in or maybe hang back and allow my team to show me how to operate and how to be a member of that team? Obviously, I would want to fit in, but I don't want to seem like I'm not contributing either. Thank you for the question, Lenny. Um, Hold on a second. I'm just trying to wrap my head around this question. And I just want to gut check that I that I understand. So the question is: Is when you're a new member of the team, should you be super proactive and show that you're uh, capable and engaged, or should you hang back because you don't want to be sort of pushy and you kind of wait to be directed a little bit and let other people be the expert um, so that you fit in? Is Lenny? Is that is that what I'm? Is that just you know yes or no? If that's if I'm going in the right direction? Yeah, it was mainly just. Um... You know, obviously, you know, when I'm, you know, when you engage in a new job, you know, you definitely, you know, you want to jump in, you know, you're excited for the opportunity. You want to show that, you know, that they made the right choice. You know, like they, some of these people have been working at this location, maybe like longer than I've been alive. It's like, you know, I'm saying it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like suddenly reinvent the wheel or anything, you know, like they know what they got to do. But like, you know, I still want to show that, you know, I'm trying to contribute and, you know, be a valuable member of the team. Got it. Okay. Super helpful. Thank you, Lenny. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got it. Right. Um, it was a good question, Lenny. I thought, um, you know, it's like, how do you fit in? How do you figure that out? We actually have a brand new member of our team who just joined in the last couple of months. And so I was thinking about it through that lens. What have I liked best from from her. Um, I, what, Damien, do you want to weigh in first? Yeah. I mean, I, this is a, uh, um, first off, Lenny, I think you be you. So let's just start with that. I, I don't think that this idea of trying to really change exactly who you are, I don't think that's, there's not enough longevity in that, in, in not being who you are. So I think that that's important. Just say, broadly speaking, let me just start with that. Um, I would say from my experience, the people that are most successful in my business are thoughtful people. And thoughtfulness can happen at all levels of the organization. So here, when I say thoughtful, here's like an example of what I mean. I almost like to tell people, assume every idea that you might have in your head, assume that it's been said before. 
And when you're before, and, and what it does is it challenges you to make sure that before you go into that idea, it just makes you take a beat real quick and say, what else you may be not thinking about? What are the impacts? What are, it just forces you just to stop for a second to really think and be respectful of this process. For example, you were talking about a business where someone might have been there 20 years before you. Assume it's a little sense, a little bit of sense of humility that says that maybe a little bit of the, these things have been talked about, but they haven't been done. For there could be a good reason for that. I'm not saying don't say the idea, but pause for a moment and give thought to like why would this might not be a good idea? Because then when you bring up an idea or a suggestion or you're confident you're bringing it to the table, you will have a little bit be more informed of well, I thought about this, and you're showing that you're thinking about the group of people. Uh, one of the most important things: we're a highly collaborative company. So you, if you worked at our company, we have you know eight to 10 different people working on an account. So I, people want to be around people that are just really good collaborators, have empathy, are thoughtful, are asking questions. So I'd say just from that perspective, I'd say that's, uh, I don't know, just kind of a starting point of how do you fit in uh, with a group? And just the extension of that point is also recognize, again, like if you're bringing ideas and you want to be vocal, sometimes, and not this is a hard skill, some people are however they don't, um, read the room because sometimes it's appropriate to be the game changer. And sometimes it's also appropriate that this isn't the moment for this conversation. And, and that is, and I'm sure there's skills. And, and again, Rochelle, uh, I, you, there are probably skills that people could do to work on this, but that's just really this kind of emotional intelligence of where you work in a, in a, in a system, in a, in a company of when is the right time to bring some of these ideas up? But I'll, I'll, I have some other thoughts, but I'll take a pause. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think that one of the best ways that you can start a new job is by focusing on the skill of active listening. And so the, there's a few different steps. So the first is acknowledge what the other person's saying. So, you know, this could be nonverbal in terms of, you know, eye contact and nodding. This could be like ahas. This could be, you know, just again, like I said, that the, the guy I was having a conversation with earlier today, he didn't even start there. He was not acknowledging me by staying focused on the conversation. So first acknowledge. Second, ask clarifying questions. You know, make sure that you understand what it is that the person just said. So if they're asking you to do something, ask a few follow-up questions. Make sure that you are tracking. You might even want to summarize. That's the third step of active listening is to summarize what it is that you heard. Okay, so you need me to do blah, 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 blah by this time. Is that right? And they'll say yes or no. And again, you're proving that you've been listening and then you respond. Okay, so the way that I would suggest we do this is blah, blah, blah. Or the way that I did this when I was at university was I did X, Y, Z, you know? And it's like, but you've kind of earned the right to be heard because you've already done the listening to understand. And I think it, as a new employee, if you can do that, you will not only build a lot of trust and respect with the other people, you're also going to learn a lot through the listening process and you're going to be more influential when you speak. You know, so I think, yes, be yourself for sure. I totally track with that. Practice a lot of active listening, which, quite, you, you know, which, which means that you also need to be curious and open. And then also I would say as a new employee, ask for feedback, you know, so ask for feedback from other people. How am I doing? Any thoughts from me? You know, like what, how am I, you know, do you feel like I'm listening enough or, or responding in the right way or being too too aggressive, too passive, not enough initiative, you know, really make sure that you're getting feedback so that you know how you're doing. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, particularly on the feedback front, because I think that's a really great, and, and by the way, when someone gives you the feedback, listen, that's the, that's the important distinction because a lot of times people may not listen to it and not actually act on it, but I think that's obviously the important part. Uh, you know, one other thing I would say is particularly when you're first starting out in a company, but I think this is actually through your progress of your career, is show the same level of excitement for the unexciting stuff as you might for the exciting stuff. And this is where a lot of people go off the rails of like, sign up for this stuff, like be a helpful team player. And a lot of times people don't want to do the hard stuff. They want to do the more exciting stuff, right? So in the exciting, it's easy to get excited about an exciting project. It's hard to get excited about something that's not exciting, but it's required that is done for the success of the organization. Really solid people thrive and understand the end goal and like, I'm in no matter what. And so that to me is, is I'd say is, is a really big one. Um, and then the, the, the other thing, the last thing I'll say is, and this is why I kind of started with the UBU, um, acknowledging the, the respect points we're talking, because essentially what we're really trying to drive at is a sense of humility and respect to the organization you're going into that you don't have all the answers, right? But, but I think it's important because I think sometimes the employer's response to you is a really good judgment of whether or not you want to be at that employer. Because some organizations are really good at kind of saying, we want, the, the, we want ideas. We want to hear what people think. And some are really shitty at it. And so you'd rather know, instead of pretending someone that you're not, be you and be who you are and want to contribute. And really, you'll begin to quickly see, do I want to be around these people or do I not? And I wouldn't be shy of that idea because I think you're, every minute you're spending at a company, yes, you should be thankful that you have a job, I suppose, but they should be thankful for having you. And if that mutual respect is there and you're in an organization where you feel like, I've got ideas, but no one will listen to me. And you genuinely have done all the things before of helping out, being a team player, listening and putting the effort in, then that's not the right organization. A lot of companies are terrible at it and you shouldn't waste your time in those companies. So I don't know. That's why I kind of start with the UBU. There's a thing about like who you are is sometimes everyone fits in different organizations for a whole different range of ways. Hmm. You know that we have, I mentioned that we have a new member of staff um, at Equilibrium. And one of the things that I really like, if I'm, Lenny, if I'm going to go very specific on feedback, is I love that she shows a lot of initiative and that she is willing to, to have a go at just about every single project that we throw at her. She asks good questions and she checks her assumptions. And especially the first time she's doing stuff, she sends it through for feedback before kind of, you know, sending it, you know, to the client or sending it to different places. And I think, you know, initiative is really great. The tipping point in initiative is, um, is when you think you know better than, than all the people who have worked in the company before you. And that's, that's certainly not the image that I think most of us want to have. If I can say one other quick point, what I would say, just to build on that, is to say that one of the most popular questions I tell people to ask in my company is when you go in, because we work across multiple departments, I always ask people to say, if, if this was my first day on the job, I might ask something like, what is the one thing that people like me in this position normally do that could make your life harder and that you don't want me to do? And so taking that kind of spirit to say, giving someone an open avenue to give you feedback before you've even started, saying, what's the trap that I, that I might fall into that's going to impact you? If you ask that question and you mean it, and you're really trying to get the response, think of how powerful that is for the team around you going, wow, I want this person around us. He's actually starting, or she's starting from a place of, how can I be better? So that, to me, never fails. And no matter what organization you go into, it's an openness that you're gonna, you can easily be flawed like every human being. How do you avoid that trap? 
It's a good question, Lindley. Thank you. If you found this episode helpful, please rate it on Apple Podcasts or leave us a comment or share it with somebody else that you know is stuck. This helps us reach listeners who could benefit from these conversations. And if you'd like your own question answered, go to our website, stuckpod.com to submit a question. Stuck is created by Equilibrium and Situation. It is produced by the wonderful Katie Byrne, Peter Ujicic, and Stephanie Connors. Our theme music is Rockstar by Owen Mulcahy. Be well, be safe. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.